Welcome to Tax Avoidance is Legal on TalkZone.com, the show that's here to make the topic of taxes fun and interesting while providing great advice for individuals and small business owners on how to mitigate their tax liabilities. Now, here are your hosts, Craig and Belsis Smalley. Good afternoon, uh, listeners. Thank you for joining us on Tax Avoidance is Legal. I'm your host, Belsa Smalley. And I am your host, Craig Smalley. So, guys, we are actually um, doing something a little bit new today, so bear with us. We are actually taping the show today from home. Uh, we decided to take a little bit of a break um, from the office, and so we're working with a few little technical challenges here and there, so I apologize in advance. Yeah, so... Anyway, just bear with us. So, um, anyway, this week, uh, I think we're about at week 15 of our show, and we are really excited to be with you live on the air as usual. Um, when we started this, we decided to challenge ourselves with uh, making the uh, topic of taxes fun and exciting, and it's not always easy. Um, so don't change the channel on us. We uh, promise to make it as uh, interesting as we possibly can. Yeah, so this week we're going to be talking about uh, the various levels of IRS appeals. So this is a fundamental right that you have if you disagree with the IRS, and you will disagree with them, and when you do, you can appeal things. So anyway, we're live on the air, obviously, as you can tell. So um, we're happy to take calls. The call-in number is one eight 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 go for it or one eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. You can also email us at info at tax avoidances legal. Now, listen, I know that a lot of you guys are at work and you don't want people to hear your confidential questions. So we get a lot of emails and they're checked all throughout the show. So um, if that's the best way to reach us, go ahead and email us. And before we move forward, I just want to stress that the uh, advice given on tax avoidance is legal is general in nature. Craig W. Smalley, EA, and CWSEAPA, LLP, and their associated entities cannot be held responsible for the advice given on this radio show. You should always consult your tax and or legal advisor. And I guess today more than any other day, this uh, statement would be true. Um, tax Avoidance is Legal can be found on the Internet at www.taxavoidanceislegal.com. Um, you can email us at info at taxavoidanceislegal.com and any emails received through uh, the week we will feature on today's show. There's something that most people don't understand about the IRS. And what is that? Well, okay, so I'm going to give you a little bit of a history lesson here about the IRS. So um, back in the long time ago, the IRS, they were basically, they were like the mafia. So if you owed them money, they would hound you. They still do it today, but not to the extent that um, they used to do it. But they used to be really, really bad. They had no regulation, no oversight, none of that. So it was really, really bad. So in 1997, there were congressional hearings, and um, they had testimony from a bunch of taxpayers um, telling the IRS about thing, you know, you know, talking about the IRS and what they did to their family, and one guy committed suicide. It was really, really bad. So out of that came the Restructuring Act of 1998, and with that came a right to appeal. So before that, you didn't have a right to appeal, but today you do. Oh, wow. 
So you didn't have appeals before any of that? No, you didn't. So if you disagreed with the IRS, it didn't matter. They would just start the collection of taxes. Now, you can always go to tax court, but a lot of people don't want to go just from examination to tax court because that's a major step. Uh, so why is it such an important uh, right to have appeals? Oh, it's it's extremely important. It's extremely important. As we get into it today, as we get into it today, when you're in an examination, you're dealing with with an RA and you're dealing with a person and you may disagree on something with them and you may, um, you know, have the revenue section, the, the revenue code section or whatever. You may just disagree with them. And then, you know, you can go directly to appeals and appeals has a completely different standard of how they do things. So it's much, much better. So uh, tell me, how is appeals different exactly? Well, with appeals, instead of Instead of weighing what's right or wrong, they weigh something called the hazards of litigation. Now, that's really important. And basically what that means is, is it worth it to go to court for this? Is this going to cost the government more money to fight this in court than they're going to get in tax revenue? So that makes logical sense. So that being said, even if sometimes your basis for an argument may be incorrect or factually incorrect, will it cost more for the government to take you to court than it will, will for, for you to settle in appeals? And that's what they weigh, the hazards of litigation. And uh, how, how many cases would you say that you've taken to appeals, Craig? Pretty much every one. I mean, every single one. I know, I know that sounds kind of funny, but... Pretty much every case that I ever take um, on examination, I usually end up going to appeals. Now, it really depends on on how, uh, you know, what the case is about, what we're actually arguing about, the amount of money that we're talking about. Because obviously it costs money to go to appeals and things like that, and people will weigh that. Sometimes they just want to pay the tax and be done with it. But other times I will let them know that I think that I can win this and – you know, and then tell them how much it'll be. And then, you know, a lot of people do want to go to appeals. Yeah, I can certainly imagine that. Well, um, I know that we're just getting started and we have a whole lot more that we want to discuss about appeals. Uh, today's show is basically all about appeals. Um, but I want to take a quick break. I want to remind everyone to call us at one eight 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 go for it or one eight eight eight. 463-6748 with your questions, or you can also email us at info at taxavoidanceislegal.com. Um, you can visit our website, www.taxavoidanceislegal.com, and we do have a, a little form there that you can fill out, or you can just send us directly an email to that uh, inbox, and we will be sure to answer all your questions throughout the show today. On the other side of the break, Craig is going to discuss more about appeals, so join us back in a few minutes. Yeah, it's going to be amazing, so make sure you come back. At Tax Crisis Center, LLC, we solve tax problems for a living. If you have a tax problem with the IRS, you've probably been inundated with postcards and letters from different tax resolution companies all over the country. Tax Crisis Center, LLC, is the country's premier tax resolution company. Unlike other tax resolution companies that will take your money and do nothing for you, once we are retained, we go to work. We get results for our clients and will handle your IRS problem professionally and expeditiously. Don't let the IRS push you around anymore. Give us a call at 1-855-IRS-2911. Email us at help at taxcrisiscenter.com or visit us on the web at www.taxcrisiscenter.com and let your voice be heard. 
CWS EAPA is a financial services company specializing in taxation and tax-related issues. Tax planning is a year-round activity. The biggest mistake that people make is thinking about taxes during tax time. When you have a complex tax situation, you need to plan for taxes on a year-round basis. Our specialty is mitigating our clients' tax obligations through careful tax planning. Tax avoidance is legal. Call us today at 1-844-CWS-EAPA or 1-844-297-3272. You can visit us on the web at cwseapa.com or email us at info at cwseapa.com. Put us to work for you today. Welcome back to Tax Avoidance is Legal on TalkZone.com. Here's Craig and Belsis Smalley. Thank you guys for uh, joining us back after the break. Uh, today we are discussing uh, all about appeals. And um, uh, if you are just tuning in, um, we want to welcome you back and uh, let you know that we are live on the air. Our call-in number is one eight 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 go for it or one eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. And you can also email us your questions throughout the show. I will be checking the uh, info at taxavoidanceislegal.com inbox. And as Craig mentioned at the top of the show, we realize a lot of folks are at work right now, and you may not want everyone in the office to hear you asking a confidential question. So email is really great for that. Feel free to email us through, during the show. We'll get as many as uh, your questions answered as possible. Uh, we'll take any callers that call in. And if we don't get to your question um, while we are on the air, please rest assured we will still respond to you. We make sure that we answer any questions that come into that inbox, regardless of if we are no longer um, on the air. So um, with that uh, that being said, Craig, we've got a few questions that have already rolled in. Are you ready to start on those? Absolutely. Let's give, give them to me. All right. Well, we have a question from Paul in Minneapolis. Um, Paul asks, can you appeal an account, an amount of tax that you owe? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if, if, if all else fails, you go through an examination. Let's just say you're in an examination and you go through appeals and you fail in appeals and you don't want to go to tax court and all of a sudden you get a notice of deficiency that you owe money. You can appeal the amount that you owe, which would basically throw everything right back into appeals. So yes, you can appeal any amount that you owe. You can, even if you, you file your tax return and and you owe some money and you're not sure if that's what you really owe and the IRS keeps sending letter after letter, you can appeal that. You can appeal the amount you owe, which will actually put your case into appeals. Oh, wow. Well, I'm sure Paul will be happy to hear that. Um, but how exactly does one go about appealing the amount that they owe? What's the process? Well, very simply, you have to wait. So the IRS works on 30-day cycles, right? So the IRS will send you a notice and then 30 days later send you another notice and then 30 days later send you another notice. So they're on a 30-day cycle. And this comes from a campus that is um, – it's ACS, Automatic Collection Services. So um, when anything gets an ACS, it's just automatically 30 days later you get this letter and that letter and the other letter. Eventually, you're going to get a letter that says final intent to levy. Once you get that letter, you have 30 days to appeal the amount you owe. And what you do is you ask for something called a collection due process hearing or a CDP. And that's what you're asking for. You're appealing the amount that you owe. It's a CDP. Now, if you miss that third, and once you appeal the amount that you owe, and I'm sorry, I forgot this. This is very important. 
Once you appeal the amount that you owe, once you appeal that, the IRS can't do anything, can't do anything at all to try to collect the tax. So you have to be really, really, that is awesome. And that. so the IRS has to stop the collection, any collection action that they're taking. They have to stop it. Now, if you miss that 30-day window, you can also ask for a CDP equivalent hearing. However, once the CDP equivalent hearing is asked for, that doesn't stop anything that the IRS is doing. So you have to be really, really careful. And that goes back to, how many shows have we talked about clients bringing in notices that haven't been opened? It happens all the time, folks. I can't. And that's, and that's why you have to open these notices because you can lose your rights. And this is one of those rights that I'm always talking about. Um, I, I'm kind of asking this question. Obviously, I know the answer, but just for um, folks out there who are listening to us and uh, aren't familiar with you, Craig, um, obviously, you've done CDP hearings. How, uh, how many CDP hearings would you say you've, you've done? Oh, man. oh, I've done tons, tons of CDP hearings. So we have a company, Tax Crisis Center, that does tax resolution. And um, a lot of times I'm doing a lot of CDP hearings, a lot of CDP equivalent hearings. Yes. And uh, how successful are you usually with those CDP hearings? I'm actually pretty successful. You know, once you know how everything works. Now, when you're going to, to the collection due process hearing, you have to go in with a plan of action. So you can't just go in and appeal something and expect it to go away. That's not how it works. You have to go in with a plan of action. So are you going to file an offer and compromise? Are you going to do an installment sale? Maybe this or I'm sorry, an installment agreement. Maybe this person doesn't have a job. They can't work. Maybe they need to be on the currently non-collectible status. Whatever you're, whatever you have to do, you have to do, but you have to go in with some sort of plan. You can't just file a CDP, a CDP hearing and not have some sort of plan. Yeah, definitely not something you would want to just go uh, doing all willy-nilly. You definitely want to go to somebody who's experienced and, um, you know, like you've said, you've done tons of these. And, and we mentioned earlier, we get this all the time. Folks come into the office and they have a bunch of, uh, they basically come in and uh, I'd like to joke around and, and say that they basically opened uh, their, their junk drawer and dumped everything into a bag and brought it in sometimes. And a lot of the times, the one thing that um, that we always like to stress and that kind of frustrates us is when we see a lot of unopened notices from the IRS. People are always scared when they see that IRS letter. And really, in. really, there's nothing to be scared of. There really isn't. You just need a professional on your side that knows what they're doing because the IRS is just a system and you just have to learn how you have to know how to navigate the system. That's it. So there's nothing to be scared of. Open those letters because within those letters are rights. And once you lose those rights, you don't get them back. And I know um, this is one of those rights definitely that you're talking about. I'm assuming the right to a uh, CDP here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So all collections stop. Now, if you do a collection uh, or CDP equivalent hearing, that's where the collection actions keep going. The IRS can file liens against you. They can levy your wages. They can, or I'm sorry, garnish your wages, levy your bank accounts. They can do that. But if you stop them in their tracks and you file that CDP on time, there's nothing the IRS can do. They have to wait for the appeal to actually go through. A lot of the th- uh, a lot of times, um, one of the things I've noticed, Craig, and I'm sure you will agree, is that people don't realize that they have rights. Yes, the IRS is out there. Yes, it sounds they're they're the big bad scary wolf, you know. Um, but you you know you also have rights. Uh, you, you shouldn't fear the the IRS. You 
have to know that you have rights and it starts with you opening those letters and knowing exactly what it is that's going on with your situation. What is it that um, they're asking for? Or find somebody that does. Right. And, and obviously, this isn't something that you would recommend um, anyone just navigate by themselves. Right? No, absolutely. No, no, no. I mean, listen, I've gone to years of school. I've been in practice for many, many years. So I'm sure that whatever you do for a living, you're really, really good at. And just imagine me not doing that for a living, coming in and trying to navigate something that is very, it's very particular. It's very particular and you have to navigate it correctly. Imagine me trying to navigate your job. I probably wouldn't do very well. Now I could, I could probably do the basics on my own, but I mean, when it comes to something like this, there's no possible way that somebody can figure out how to do that. That's why I have a job. That's why we're in business. Absolutely. It's not something that you should um, feel uh, that you are supposed to automatically know or feel, wow, I I don't even know what this means, what they're talking about. I feel so ignorant and I don't, you know, I feel dumb not knowing this. And and then it stops you from going to someone. If I needed brain surgery, I certainly wouldn't uh, want Craig uh, operating on me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, no. And this is a perfect example. Belsus brings up something that's very, very nice. So we all get sick, and what do we do? We have the Internet at our fingertips, so we'll Google it. We'll Google our symptoms. We'll go to WebMD, and I know that, I'm you know. I'm very guilty of that. I'm she is guilty of it, and she's guilty of coming to me with these rare illnesses that she has or thinks she has, and she doesn't. She doesn't have these rare illnesses. She's fine. Well, I have it's, a few, but. It's the exact <laughs> same thing, though. It's the exact same thing with this. You can get some information on Google. You can try to figure it out for yourself, but it's not. At the end of the day, I always tell her, go to a doctor. And she does. She eventually will go to a doctor, and it'll just be a cold or a flu or something. It's nothing, you know, thankfully, it's nothing that's, you know, really, really intense. But, you know, it's something that, you know, don't try to navigate this yourself. Find somebody that that specializes in this. Don't be that person that that Googles the symptoms, and all all of a sudden you think you're dying, you know, Go to a specialist, somebody that specializes in um, taxes and appeals in handling IRS debt. And that's, uh, you know, fortunately for us, that's one of the things that we love to do most. I know Craig enjoys it tremendously. Oh, I love representation. That's probably my favorite thing. Um, So you have compliance and representation. Compliance would be like filling out tax returns and things like that. That's fun. And tax planning, I love doing that, of course. But representation is something that, you know, Belsus and I got married really early and we had our kids very early and I have no regrets about that. But I would have gone to law school had that not happened. So it's it's I'm a frustrated wannabe lawyer. So that's why I absolutely love representation. It lets you uh, scratch that itch. Absolutely. uh, (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're great at it. So it, it works out. Well, um, it sounds like it's time to take another little break. I want to remind everyone that uh, they can call us at 1-888-GO-FOR-IT or 1-888-463-6748. Call us with any of your questions regarding appeals, collections, things like that. We'll be happy to answer that for you. You can send us an email at info at taxavoidanceislegal.com. And on the other side of the break, uh, Craig is going to discuss a heck of a lot more about appeals. Absolutely. Forming a corporation or LLC can separate personal assets from your business assets. No matter what state your business operates in, forming a corporation or LLC in Nevada, Delaware, or Florida has benefits. For example, forming a corporation in Nevada offers privacy and no corporate income tax. 
Forming a corporation in Delaware can give you the legal protection of the state of Delaware, which is business friendly. On top of the legal reasons to form a corporation, there are tax benefits as well. Give us a call today at 1-844-CWSEAPA or 1-844-297-3272 or email us at info at cwseapa.com. Come and see what you've been missing. Payroll can be a nightmare for a small business. When you have employees, you have to pay them periodically, pay the taxes associated with them, and file quarterly tax reports with the Internal Revenue Service and the state that your business operates in. Our payroll is seamless. It is done through a cloud-based system. All you do is put in what you are paying your employees and approve your payroll. We handle the rest. Our fees are lower than the national payroll companies, too. Call us today at 1-844-CWSEAPA or 1-844-297-3272 or visit us on the web at CWSEAPAPayrollService.com. At Albertus Business Services Incorporated, we view ourselves as your internal bookkeeping department and are always improving ways to leverage proven cloud technologies to streamline and improve the efficiency of our outsourced services. With an in-house bookkeeper, you would run the cost of about 45000 a year. But with our monthly services, it would be a fraction of that cost. Let us help you with the tedious, time-consuming side of your business so you can focus on growing your business. Call us today at 1-877-695-6658. Our website is albernaservices.com or email dalbernas at albernaservices.com. Your success is our business. Welcome back to Tax Avoidance is Legal on TalkZone.com. Here's Craig and Belsa Smalley. Welcome back to Tax Avoidance is Legal. Today we've been discussing all about appeals, and I want to remind everyone that our call-in number is one eight 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 go for it or one eight eight eight. 463-6748. We are live on the air. You can also uh, visit our website, taxavoidanceislegal.com, or uh, email us at info at taxavoidanceislegal.com. And uh, any of the questions that we receive through email, we will try our very best to have answered on the air. If we don't get to your questions, don't despair. We will be sure to answer all our emails. So. Yeah, and I spend about, what, an hour after every show answering emails. So, yeah, I just keep sending them. All right. And that being said, we have a question from Jacob in Boston. And his question is, what happens if you lose an appeal? Ooh, that's a good question card. We haven't discussed yet uh, what happens if you lose an appeal. Well, if you lose an appeal, the next step is to go to tax court. So you have 90 days to go to tax court. So that's one of your fundamental rights. So um, what you would do is basically you would, you know, and a lot of people, they'll just stop at appeals because, you know, now you're talking about, you know, the actual tax that was owed. So let's say, just for conversation's sake, that we're talking about $20,000 in tax that somebody owes. So are they going to spend the money now to go to tax court because that's, they're going to have to pay somebody to go to tax because you really, really don't want to navigate tax court by yourself. So you're going to have to pay somebody to go to tax court and is it worth it? So, but if you lose in, um, appeals, the next step is tax court. So let's take, uh, Jacob's question further. What happens if you do lose in appeals and you take it to tax court and you lose in tax court, Greg? 
Well, that's interesting. You can appeal to the to the district court. So you appeal to the federal district court of whatever district you're in. You appeal to them. And if you lose there, you go to the circuit court. And if you lose there, eventually you can go all the way to the Supreme Court. Um, so, you know, that's so you can keep going. So tax court isn't the final say in everything. You know, the Supreme Court obviously is. because That's a law of the land. But um, I can't help you after tax court. So you would have to get a uh, an attorney. So um, but yeah, so I don't so I don't usually do anything after, you know, tax court. And I, and I take very, very few cases of tax court. Yeah, I was about to say how how I've never seen that really happen with us. But how many cases actually go further than tax court? What what do you think? Well, I mean, they make them public, so it's public, so you know, right? And and I get updates every morning, so I do see that some do go further than tax court. But understand something, you know, there, there's something that I wanna um, I wanna talk about tax court for for a little while. Most cases that are filed before tax court are never heard by the tax court. Oh, okay. Um, is that something that obviously this isn't something that people should handle themselves? But um, well, well, no, no, no. Of course not. But the reason why a lot of these cases aren't heard before tax court, a lot of the reasons why it's not heard before the tax court is before the the case actually goes before a judge. They try to settle the case. So you're working with uh, uh, somebody that's trying to negotiate mm. the government and they're working with um, the, the taxpayer to try to negotiate a settlement. And usually that works. And a lot of cases don't go before court. And sometimes it's funny. The ones that actually do go before court are funny because you'll read them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I wonder if somebody just read this back to them. Right. Would they have taken exactly, it that Because it, to me, I, I'm looking at it going, this is common sense. I mean, why did why did we end up here? So I I don't know. Sometimes I I think that, but but anyway, yeah. A lot, a very few cases are heard before tax court, but understand if it is heard before the tax court, it's public. It's public information, and anybody can find out about it. And this is probably all that uh, fun reading you do every morning when you get up at three thirty four in the morning, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm reading tax court cases. Well, I mean, that's it's actually a really good point because there's a lot of good stuff that comes out of those tax court cases. A lot of uh, you know decisions are made based on these tax court cases, and a lot of you know guidelines are drawn out of these tax court cases. Is that right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So when I'm talking to a client, you know, I can advise them based upon something that went before the tax court or, you know, something similar to that or something that was made public. So, yeah, those cases are really important because a lot of good things come out of them. And it's it's funny. I was um, I was asked by um, the, the trade publication Accounting Web to write a, um, a, a column called Tax Court Corner, which basically is. Um, uh, uh, it's a column about, you know, tax court and what goes on in tax court and the cases and why they're important. And I'm really enjoying writing that. It's mm-hmm. funny because when they first assigned that to me, I had this horrible case of writer's block, but now it's just coming out really well right now. So, um, anyway, oh, yeah. so yeah, check that out. Check that out. If you ever get a chance on accounting web, I write a, an article or a column called tax court corner. So that's interesting. It sounds just, uh, just the kind of thing that you would really, uh, enjoy doing. Um, now, I've heard you tell a client that you're going to petition tax court as a means to get it to appeals. 
Can you explain that a little bit for folks who are listening? Yeah, because that's kind of a trick. This is kind of cute. So kind of listen, this is, this is how cool the system is, right? So let's say that you owe money to the IRS, okay? And let's say that you've done a CDP request and that was turned down. And let's say you did or an equivalent hearing and all of that was turned down. And so the IRS will issue something called a notice of deficiency, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And with that notice of deficiency, you have 90 days to, to petition the tax court. Now, the only reason you're petitioning the tax court is the tax court isn't going to hear it. You know why the tax court isn't going to hear it? Why is that? Because it hasn't gone through appeals yet. So what does the IRS do? What, what does tax court do? They kick it right down to appeals and you're right where you wanted to be to begin with. This so a little stalling technique absolutely. and a way to kind of restart the clock. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So it gives me time to prepare. It gives a client time to prepare. It gives us all time because, you know, you're dealing with the government and it takes a lot of time. So that's kind of a trick that I use a lot when I when somebody gets a notice of deficiency is to file a tax court petition because I want to go to appeals with it, but for whatever reason, I couldn't go to appeals to begin with. Yeah, it sounds perfect, actually. Um, and this is uh, one of those things that Craig finds cute and fun and, and exciting about uh, his job, but uh, it takes a special kind of person to love and find taxes fun and interesting, doesn't it, honey? Yeah, well, yeah, but it is, it is, because stop and think about that, you just, you just beat the system, right? So there's a system that they set up. You just stuck it to the man, didn't you? Absolutely, yeah, that's exactly what we did. And we, absolutely, and we did it, well, yeah, okay. (laughs) And we did it legally, there was no, there was no trickery or anything else, we just used everything that was in place. You know, and it's kind of funny, it's, it's, you know, let's talk about how a, how a case gets to tax court. Yeah, how does a case get to tax court? Very simply this, you either go through a Appeals and you lose at appeals and you petition the tax court, or you get a notice of deficiency and you petition the tax court. But anytime you get a notice of deficiency and, and you petition the tax court, they kick it to appeals, which is where you want to be anyway. So it's kind of a trick. It's kind of, you know, one of those things. And, you know, getting to tax court is, is not a lot of cases actually get to tax court because, like I said, most of them are settled before the case is ever heard. So that's kind of interesting. Absolutely. How many cases would you say you probably have taken to tax court or personally have I taken mm-hmm. um putting you on the spot I here. don't know probably in the years of practice not that many right? no not very I don't file very many tax court maybe about a hundred maybe 200 not very many I mean if I'm filing a tax court petition it's usually um a, a means to get to appeal so maybe about 200 in my career um, so we'll just, you know, something like that. Well, that actually sounds like a lot of cases to me, but I understand when you deal with the volume that you are uh, dealing with, probably a hundred cases going to tax court doesn't seem like a lot. Um, but definitely one of the things that you brought up here is this little trick that you pull, um, basically where I was just joking about how you stick it to the man. This is one of those uh, examples I would say where obviously it's beneficial to go to someone who has the experience um, and who's dealt with this before, as opposed to trying to tackle it on your own. Um, these are little little tricks of the trade that you learn with years of experience. And um, a common person out there wouldn't know that and probably would have stopped and kind of taken their loss or thought, you know, there's nothing else I can do here. Absolutely. There's no way, no way to go back to appeals now. I've, I've blown it or, you know, gotten frustrated. And, and this is one of those examples why you should always go to somebody who um, specializes in taxes. Yeah, well, it specializes in representation. So, yeah, you can specialize in taxes, but not specialize in representation. I mean, there's tons of enrolled agents and tons of 
attorneys and CPAs out there that may specialize in taxes, but they don't specialize in representation. That's so that's what I meant. That's what I meant. Yeah. So yeah. So that's different. So it's you know it's one of those things you just really really want to make sure that you have the proper team in place. And like I always tell clients. Okay. Well, that's wonderful. Um, let's go ahead and keep uh, with answering some more questions. So we have a question from uh, Timothy in Cincinnati. Uh, Timothy says that he is currently um, being audited and his examiner isn't being fair at all. Um, he's not allowing any expenses and he's trying to say that his income is wrong. What can he do? Well, the, your first step is to go to the manager of that, uh, of the RA or the RO, um, the revenue agent or the revenue officer that you're dealing with. You go to the manager. Now, I will tell you in 22 years of experience, do you think the manager bells has ever overrides the employee? Mm. What do you think? Now, usually they try to back their employee. Absolutely, they back their employee. So that's the first thing you do is you go to the manager. After the manager, but this is the way that you do it. So after the manager backs the employee, the next thing you do is you just wait for the for the audit changes to come back and you formally appeal them. So you just send a letter to the RA and to the manager saying that you want this to go to appeals and you put in the reasons why you want it to go to appeals with with IRC code sections and regulations and tax court K, whatever it is that you're using to support your argument. So um, you're probably not going to get anything settled with your RA or your RO. So just go to appeals and, and just be done with it. But still might be worth a shot. So you would probably recommend give it a shot first. Well, you have to give it a shot first. Okay. Yeah, you have to do that first before you can go to appeals. You have to go to the manager first. So that's uh, the first thing that you I would mean, do. And like with anything else, I would be the proper and, um, you know, polite thing to do is first go ahead and go to the manager, see if they're willing to hear, hear you out on that. Probably won't and then um, get it kicked to appeals. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because, you know, the manager, like I said, I've never seen one that has ever not backed their employee. So you've got to be really, really careful. So um, that's uh, that's it. And um, Okay, well, that makes sense. Um, well, what uh, we, we have quite a, quite a few more questions to go. Um, I think we're going to take another um, little break and tackle all these questions when we return. Um, so basically, just uh, hang in there, guys. Remember that we are live on the air. If you have a question and you haven't called in yet, you can give us a call at one eight 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 go for it or one eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Or you can do like most folks and send us an email to info at taxavoidanceislegal.com. Um, and like uh, we always say, we realize you might be in a public setting and you don't want folks to uh, hear you calling in with a private question. That's why email works so well. So feel free to send in those questions. And when we return back from the break, we're going to tackle answering a lot of these questions that have come in. Craig Smalley is the author of 12 books regarding taxation. Two of his books have been revised this year. It starts with an idea revised edition takes you through the startup of a company. It talks about taxes, entity structuring, the IRS, and so much more. The Complete Guide to Estate, Gifts, and Trust Taxation revised edition is about how to navigate the complex estate tax. Both books have just been released by CWSEAPA Publishing, LLC, and are on sale now at Amazon.com. If you are a business that has outgrown your accountant but are not big enough for one of the big four accounting firms, CWSEAPA Consulting may be perfect for you. 
We specialize in tax consulting for small to medium-sized businesses. We can advise you on whether it is time to start a holding company or management company to mitigate your tax liability. We can advise you on whether it is a good time to expand your business, hire employees, buy equipment, or lease equipment. There are different tax reasons to do different things. Let our over 22 years of experience work for you. Call us today at 1-844-CWSEAPA or 1-844-297-3272. You can email us at info at cwseapa.com or visit us on the web at cwseapa.com. We're doing something amazing and we want you to be a part of it. With so many choices when looking for quality investment advice, you owe it to yourself to seek a professional who has your best interests at heart. At J.B. Meridian Advisors, we don't sell products that generate commissions or have hidden fees. Client assets are never locked up in illiquid investments that could take months or years to access, or worse, charge a penalty to sell in an emergency. Our simple structure aligns the interests of our clients with our interests by charging a flat fee based on the assets we manage. As your portfolio value increases, our firm grows. Call J.B. Meridian Advisors now at 877-398-0051 or visit us online at jbmeridian.com. Now let's get back to Craig and Dulcis Smalley for more of Tax Avoidance is Legal on TalkZone.com. Welcome back to Tax Avoidance is Legal. Today we've been talking all about appeals and uh, wanted to remind you guys that we are live on the air. And again, give you our call-in number, one eight 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 go for it or one eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. 463 6748 And uh, our email for questions is info at Um Anytime you can, check out our website. You can always uh, send us an email through our form. Um, and uh, that being said, Craig, I, we have a lot of questions, but um, before... We get going on the questions. I've heard you uh, give your philosophy on audits, and I really liked uh, what you had to say. Why don't you explain your thought process going into an audit so folks who haven't had the pleasure of having these extended conversations with you about audits? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and I'm sure everybody just absolutely loves, loves these extended conversations with me. So, yeah, so my philosophy on an audit is basically this. The auditor is looking for particular things, and how you know that is on the IDR or the information document request. When you're being audited, you're sent an IDR, and on that IDR is going to tell you what they're looking for and what they're, um, what they're basically, you know, you can sort of tell by the substantiation of evidence that they're asking for. So if they're asking for auto expenses or asking for meal, you know, substantiation of this, that, and the other, every auditor is different. So, um, what I do is I look at the thing as a whole and I'll, audit the tax return myself and look at it through the eyes of the IRS, but I'll always pick a bigger issue and I'll let the little issues go. So there'll be little issues in an audit. There'll be little issues in an audit that I'll be, um, that I know we're going to come up that I'll just let go and I'll tackle the bigger issue. So 
I'm not going to give on the big issue, but I'll give on these little tiny ones. So that's always my philosophy going into a going into an audit, knowing that I can always go to appeals. Obviously, yeah. So you give a you know give a late and little, and that usually makes them a lot more willing to exactly work with you on exactly bigger issues. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you'll give up. So don't you know? There's a lot of times where you know they'll be like, "Have you won? Did you won win the audit?" Well. I won the bigger picture, obviously. So if you win the bigger picture, of course. Now, if you owe a couple thousand dollars on little tiny things, that's really not a big deal. So it's not a big deal. that, And that's always my philosophy going into an audit. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. And I, I love that. That's why I wanted you to kind of mention it on the air. Um, now, we have a question from Jackie in Daytona Beach, oh, right in our backyard. Uh, Jackie wants to know, where uh, can you look up all of these rules? Good question, Jackie. Well, I'm going to point you to a place that's going to put you to sleep. It's the Internal Revenue Manual, okay? So um, that's where all these rules are, and this is uh, basically a guide, and this is something that I read years ago before I started representing people. But um, if you're – I will give you a really good resource, though. If you're ever being audited and you're in a particular type of business, you can look up the audit technique guide. Did you know the IRS has these? I did not know that the IRS Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for – for different particular businesses, they have audit technique guides, and this is what the R, the, the revenue agent is going by when he's auditing the return. This is what he's looking for. So, so kind of like guidelines. Absolutely. So yeah, because they've audited a lot of returns based on this, or they've they've done some, you know, a lot of things based on this one thing. So this this is the trend in the in the industry. So look at that. Always look at that. But most of these rules are are in the Internal Revenue Manual. So good luck reading that. And when you give up on that, give me. A call and I'll explain them to you because I can't stop talking about um, the, the internal revenue manual. So anytime you ever want to have a conversation with that, give me a call. Yes, folks, help me out here so I don't have to be the only one who has to listen to him uh, go uh, on and on. I'm sure she gets tired of it. And, and I'll give you guys another quick little tip. If you're out there, forget the Ambien, just print out this IRS manual, put it next to your bedside table, and if you have a night when you can't sleep, start reading this sucker. I will tell you what, it will put you right to sleep. I'll tell you, I do that with Circular 230 sometimes. Circular 230 is what governs practitioners, and I'll print that sucker out and read that, and that puts me right back to sleep because it's all common sense stuff. Well, common sense to you, but not to other people out there. Um, So let's see. What's our next question here? We have a question from Xavier in Phoenix. Uh, Xavier asks, can you appeal the denial of an offer in compromise? Well, why don't we explain what an offering compromise is? Yes, so, I think that would be good. Yeah, so an offering compromise is you're offering, let's say that you owe the IRS $25,000 and um, you've gone through and you don't have, you don't really have any assets, you don't have a means to income, you don't have, or whatever it is, and you go to the IRS and you try to settle with them and let's say that you decide through all of your math that you're going to offer them $2,000 instead of the $20,000 and the IRS turned you down. The question is, can you appeal that? Absolutely you can appeal that. So if you get turned down, and a lot of them get turned down, only 30, you know, only only 30% of offers are actually accepted, and my dog really wants my attention right now. So, like I said, we're at home, so my dog is really trying to do everything to get my attention. So, um, anyway, uh, so, yeah, so, you know, it's that's... Like an onion. You, you, there's so many layers to it. There are. There are, and you can appeal it. And so, yeah, to, so to answer your question, yes, you can appeal it. Uh, we have a question from John in Des Moines, and uh, John wants to know... 
what is the success rate of someone um, who goes to tax court? Um, I'm, not, I'm not actually 100% sure what that means. Mm-hmm. Success rate, I guess, winning. I guess I'm assuming in tax means, court. Yeah. What are the odds? Change. What are the odds that you would win in tax court? I'm guessing is what um, John is trying to say. What are the odds? Well, you're dealing with a judge, so you've mm-hmm. got to have some something to back things up. So mm-hmm. as long as you have a basis for what you're doing or a basis of uh, backup, then you should be fine. I mean, you know, or you have the law or the internal revenue codes on your side, something similar to that, or you have prior case law that backs mm-hmm. up what you're trying to do, then you would be okay in, in tax court. But um, it really, really depends on what the issue is, what you're fighting over. You know, it really, really all depends. That's kind of, and I'm sorry, John, John, right? Yeah. John, I'm, I'm sorry, John. That's an ambiguous question. And, and I'm sorry for the ambiguous answer. No, but it brings up good points. Uh, like you, like you said, make sure you've got, um, you've done your research, you have backup or the person who you have a good person representing you. All of these things, like anything else, are going to increase your odds of being successful in any kind of um, case. You know, just like an attorney would uh, in criminal court, you know, sometimes you see some of these cases going to criminal court, but they, they're, these lawyers are really prepared and they have, uh, you know, they bring up evidence, examples and all kinds of things that really help to prove their point. So, uh, John, like anything else, I think it's all a matter of uh, how prepared you are. Is the law on your side? Is there, uh, you know, read up on, uh, on, on the tax laws and see if, uh, make sure you have somebody good who's representing you, I think is the main thing there. And then your odds of winning will definitely, um, increase. Absolutely. Um, I think we have, uh, another question here. Let's see. Uh, Margo in Richmond wants to know, um, when you take an audit, do you automatically know that it will end up in appeals? <laughs> Well, usually, yeah. I mean, you know, and I, I usually prepare the client for that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and again, we're talking about a fee that they have to pay me, right? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about the amount of tax that is owed versus the fee, um, and does it make sense? And I will always tell a client, you know how honest I am with yeah. a client. I'll tell them it's going to cost me, it's going to cost you more to pay me than it would be to pay the tax. So it doesn't make sense to go to appeals or mm-hmm. something similar to that. I don't ever do something where you're going to pay me more more than you would pay in taxes because that just doesn't make any sense. And I'm always upfront and honest about that. But most of the time when I am representing a client, I do know that in my back pocket, I do have appeals and it's nice to have that because again, they weigh things so much differently in appeals and you have a higher success rate of getting something in appeals than you do anywhere else. Absolutely. And, you know, brings up good points again, um, that, uh, you never, you want to make sure you're clear with the person who's representing you, um, on, you know, what it's going to cost to take something to. Yeah. Uh, Cause they this. are now listen to me, listen out there. There are some really, really, um, there's some sharks mm-hmm. out there in this mm-hmm. business and you have to be very, very careful. And it's, it's funny. I wrote an article for accounting web called, uh, the, the, uh, shady side of the tax resolution business because I was, uh, subbed out for a, um, a tax resolution firm that, uh, I did some work for them. So mm-hmm. I, I subcontracted off them and, it was um, an excellent article. Yeah, and it was, yeah. It was, well, it. well, hear this out. So what happened was the lady that owned the tax resolution company, because I kept checking in with her because understand, I'm usually the one that is subcontract. Mm-hmm. I'm usually the one that's, that's, that has the subcontractor. Right. You're never in the I'm, sub. Exactly. So what right. I was trying to do was I was trying to behave in the way that 
I want my subcontractors to behave. And I was letting her know everything. And so eventually she got sick of my updates and she pushed me off on a salesperson. So the salesperson was basically, I can get this much out of this person. I can get that much out of this person. And it was really, really kind of shocking to see how that, it really was. It really was. And, and so you kind of, kind of really helped helps uh, us to kind of stay in check and know that's definitely not how we want to run things. No, absolutely not. It should never be with the idea of how much money you can get out of a client. If you're um, going to somebody for representation and it seems like they're constantly trying to upsell you or or say it's going to cost this much more, this much yes, more, this much and more. that's it. Every time I would talk to the salesperson, he's like, oh, well, I can go back and rewrite the contract. That was like a big deal to him. He wanted to rewrite the contract all the time. I'm and sure that the salesperson's getting a cut, so the more exactly. he can pump up that, that fee, the more he gets. And, and that's definitely not something we would ever do. Um, we don't work with salespeople. Nobody reputable would do that. Um, they should be able to be upfront with you on what it's going to cost. Obviously, there are instances where – you hope for the best and then things get complicated and, you know, you end up having to take it further. But it should always, um, what you are going to save should always outweigh what you're paying in fees. Otherwise, it makes no sense. Absolutely. Otherwise, you're just better off um, figuring out a payment type of arrangement with the IRS and, and you know, paying what, what's owed. So always keep that in mind and, and be careful of those uh, unscrupulous uh, business practices out there because it does happen, unfortunately. Absolutely, yeah. So I think we're going to go to a break here, which will be our uh, our last break. So um, anyway, email those questions. We still have a number of questions to to answer. So info at taxavoidancelegal.com, and um, we'll see you guys on the other side of the break. If you are a business that has outgrown your accountant but are not big enough for one of the big four accounting firms, CWS EAPA Consulting may be perfect for you. We specialize in tax consulting for small to medium-sized businesses. We can advise you on whether it is time to start a holding company or management company to mitigate your tax liability. We can advise you on whether it is a good time to expand your business, hire employees, buy equipment, or lease equipment. There are different tax reasons to do different things. Let our over 22 years of experience work for you. Call us today at 1-844-CWSEAPA or 1-844-297-3272. You can email us at info at cwseapa.com or visit us on the web at cwseapa.com. We're doing something amazing and we want you to be a part of it. CWS EAPA is a financial services company specializing in taxation and tax-related issues. Tax planning is a year-round activity. The biggest mistake that people make is thinking about taxes during tax time. When you have a complex tax situation, you need to plan for taxes on a year-round basis. Our specialty is mitigating our clients' tax obligations through careful tax planning. Tax avoidance is legal. Call us today at 1-844-CWSEAPA or 1-844-297-3272. You can visit us on the web at cwseapa.com or email us at info at cwseapa.com. Put us to work for you today. Now, let's get back to Craig and Belsis Smalley for more of Tax Avoidance is Legal on TalkZone.com. 
Thanks so much for joining us uh, back. Today we've been discussing uh, appeals, and we have uh, just a few minutes left in our show, so I want to make sure we can get all these questions in. I think we have uh, uh, time for just a couple more questions. Harvey in Jacksonville Beach wants to know, if you could change the tax code, what would you change? Oh, boy. Oh, me? Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. So I was I was telling Belsis this whole story about how I would love to sit on the Ways and Means Commission. I would love to run for Congress and sit on the Ways and Means Commission. That's where the tax law comes out of the Ways and Means. That would be great. But, but honestly, if I would change one thing about the tax code, it would be the earned income credit. That thing is abused so much. It was supposed to... Um, be a credit for people that, you know, didn't have a lot of money and they were giving money back and, mm-hmm. um, all of that. But it's, it's abused so much and people overinflated and they, um, they just abuse it. So I would change the earned income credit for yeah. sure. I'm sure that that's not going to make uh, you a fan of some folks out there, but I do agree with you. Uh, Alex in Cleveland wants to know, uh, how many cases are actually filed with tax court? Uh, versus the cases that they hear. So I so guess how many are, out of the ones that are filed, how many do you think they actually hear? The ones that want to prove a point, I think, yeah. sometimes, yeah. Um, because like I said, you know, I've been through this before. So we've been to tax court. Mm-hmm. So what you do is you go through this this negotiating, this this negotiation with, with a mediator, basically, and they try to mediate the case before it's ever heard. And most cases... <laughs> Most cases are heard before the mediator, and those are they're usually settled. So um, anyway, that's usually you know what how, how that goes. So anyway, yeah. So obviously, if they don't uh, settle it, and the uh, uh, tax court feels like they might be able to make a, make a point with your case, then they would probably uh, hear it out. Um, now we, uh, if you've been listening to our show, you probably have figured out that by now, by now that. Uh, uh, usually our final question of the day comes from Gregory in Orlando. Uh, usually he uh, emails in his question, but today we are uh, privileged to have his presence here live with us. So um, Gregory in Orlando has a question. And go ahead, Gregory, you have the mic. Um, so, uh, Craig, I'm, uh, basically uh, my question is, uh, I think that Stephen Curry is on the verge of becoming one of the best basketball players of all time. Regardless of losing the finals this year, what are your thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. On the verge of. Okay, so that's changed, okay? Because because as I was watching the finals with Gregory in Orlando, he was telling me that Steph Curry was the greatest basketball of, of all, basketball player well, of all time. I, I, I've kind of been saying that he's like on the verge. I've been saying he's never said on the verge. This is the first time I said he's the, the greatest verge. shooter no. of all time. But. No, no, no. He said on the verge. Well, I've got one thing for you. I've got one thing for you. Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time, and he's never lost a finals. Every final he got into, he won. So there's not really much you can say to that. I was never a Bulls fan. I know that Talk Zone is in Chicago, so here's a shout-out to you guys. But he is the greatest basketball player of all time. Well, he did beat the uh, Knicks a lot. Yeah, he did, and I was a Knicks fan, and we got beat all the time. All the time the Knicks got beat by the, by the Bulls, and it was horrible. So, anyway, Steph Curry, he's a really good shooter. and He's the greatest um, shooter. Well, no, he's not the greatest shooter of all time. He doesn't have a body of work, Gregory. How can he? How can he be the greatest shooter of all time? Ah, uh, yeah. This okay. this is a typical uh, argument that does happen um, around here. Just for those of you listening, um, I must say I, I was actually backing Gregory on uh, Curry. I'm just not a uh, King James fan, unfortunately. Uh, I'm not either. I'm not either. But I will want to. I do want to let everybody know that I got sucked in. So I really like watching these thirty for thirty things that ESPN has, right? 
And they had a 30 for 30 called Believe Land. And I felt really bad for Cleveland because they hadn't won a title in all these years. And they had all these bad things happen to it. And I've been to Cleveland. Cleveland is an amazing city. I had a lot of fun in Cleveland. It was really a lot of fun. I saw a game that, that uh, I saw the Indians play the Mar. I mean, it was really, I had really had a good time. So I really wanted Cleveland to win, but I don't care for LeBron James. But, but that's what I'm saying. That's like, regardless of losing the title, it's like everybody's going to forget about it because Cleveland won. Nobody's going to remember he lost the finals 30 years from now. Everybody's going to just remember Cleveland won. They're going to remember Steph Curry. If you're going to say he's the greatest basketball player of all time, I mean, the greatest basketball player of all time currently didn't lose a final. Oh, well, currently. I, we could have this argument all day. I don't want to. They, yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. definitely could have this argument all day. I, I, you know, this is a hard one for me um, because obviously I grew up in Chicago, so I am, I absolutely was a Bulls and am a Bulls fan and uh, must agree that Michael Jordan is the uh, all-time best uh, basketball player. However, um, Curry is definitely a great, great shooter. Um, will he be eventually the greatest basketball player? I don't know, but I think, as Craig mentioned, it's a bit too early. It's a body of work. It's a whole body of work. This was the whole, the whole thing, the whole time I turned around, and during the finals, Gregory and I were having this discussion. It's a body of work. He, he's just a kid. He's new. Maybe he will be the greatest of all time, but currently he's not. All right. We're going to leave it at that, guys. Um, this is going to conclude today's show. If we didn't get to your emailed questions on the air, we will definitely email you back. Remember to visit us at uh, taxavoidanceislegal.com. Email your questions throughout the week to info at taxavoidanceislegal.com. So we have an announcement. Next week, we're going to have a very, very fun show. So this is... This is going to be, so we're going to kind of poke fun at ourselves a little bit. It's it's called, what can I get away with on my taxes? Ooh. So that's going to be fun. And we're also, we have, um, we're going to be taping it live for our YouTube channel. So you can actually see what goes on behind the scenes as we're actually that's doing scary. it. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, they could only see me now. I mean, obviously I'm not at work, <laughs> but um, but anyway, it's going to be amazing. So um, next week is what can I get away with on my taxes? I think that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, I want to just stress that uh, the show is sponsored by Tax Crisis Center LLC and CWSCAPA LLP. CWSCAPA is a nationally recognized uh, brand, um, brand of accounting, tax, and financial services. Yeah. You can always reach us at one eight four four CWSCAPA or one eight four four two nine seven three two seven two. Thank you so much for tuning in. We look forward to next week's show. Absolutely. Have a great Fourth of July weekend.